You're listening to the Doc Lounge Podcast. This is a place for candid conversations with healthcare industry's top physicians, executives, and thought leaders. This podcast is made possible by Pacific Companies, your trusted advisor in physician recruitment. I am your host, Summer Gilbert, and I am the Director of Marketing and Branding here at Pacific Companies. And my co-host today is Pacific Companies EVP of Training, Chris Call. Thanks for being here with me, Chris. Oh, thank you for having me, Summer. Always an honor, Chris. All right. Well, today on the podcast, we're talking to Dr. Natasha Banerjee, board certified in hematology and oncology, and she's practicing in our neck of the woods, Southern California. Dr. Banerjee, as an assistant professor, has some really good advice for upcoming residents and fellows, so we're going to talk to her more about that learn more about her journey, and then her focus within oncology. So thank you so much, Dr. Banerjee, for being here today. I can't wait to learn more about you. Let's get started. And just a quick reminder, this podcast is intended to be an open forum. Any personal beliefs, views, or opinions represented in this episode are that of our guest and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Pacific Companies. So please have an open mind and remember that this podcast is not a news source, but rather a safe and neutral platform for candid conversations. Well, thank you for chatting with us, Dr. Banerjee. Take us to the beginning. What made you want to go into medicine? Well, I was always interested in science from a young age, and I always had a passion for taking care of people. Uh, When I was in college, I took a biology lab course, um, and we did a lot of um, uh, looking at cells under the microscope. We did one experiment where we added a chemotherapy agent to cells under a microscope, uh, and we were able to actually see these cells undergo microtubular arrest and stop dividing um, and visualize with our own eyes how chemotherapy worked. Um, and I found that incredibly fascinating, uh, being able to actually see the process happen. Uh, and from then on, I knew that I wanted to go into medicine. Medicine or hematology oncology? At that point, I knew that um, I wanted to go into medicine and be able to do things for people where I could see results, Um, but it did spark my initial interest in hematology and oncology as well. Yeah. So when did you decide um, you were going to do hemonc? After medical school, when I went into residency and I was actually seeing patients, uh, I found that the patients that I was the most interested in and the ones that I really felt most passionate about were the patients with cancer diagnoses. Um, And what I really enjoyed the most was getting to sit down and talk with these patients and explain the cancer diagnosis to them and then following them uh, through their cancer journey and becoming so involved in their lives and these major decisions that they were going through. Um, that's what really led me into the field. Yeah. Now, Dr. Banerjee, I talk with a lot of uh, physicians on the phone, hemonks and so forth, and I understand there's a couple of different pathways to becoming a, a cancer doc. You have your hematology, you have the oncology, and then you have the hemonk uh, combined fellowship. Walk us through the thought process of who might be able to select each of those and why. 
most of the fellowship programs uh, do both hematology and oncology, but people can decide how much they want to do of each when they go through a program. Mm -hmm. um, most people, if they go out and practice in the community as a general hematologist oncologist, will be doing um, almost an equal amount of hematology and oncology, especially seeing a lot of benign hematology conditions. So I think it's always a good idea to get exposure to both. Um, but if someone is more research-oriented and they think that research will be a big part of their um, their career in the future, then those people will usually decide to focus either more on hematology or oncology, depending on where their research interests lie. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it makes sense to do one or the other, depending on what they think they'll focus on in the future. Yeah. What do you like least and most about your specialty? What I like most uh, is being able to help people, help people uh, either cure their cancer or feel better um, in terms of their symptoms. And what I like least about the field is um, making people sick. Unfortunately, when we give chemotherapy, we make people feel quite terrible. Uh, and it takes a lot of coaching um, and a lot of uh, empathy and sensitivity to get patients through those tough times. Yeah, and that leads me into my next question, because as an oncologist and especially dealing within the cancer realm of things, you're going to be in situations of a lot of sadness and stress. How do you manage that? How do you not let it consume you so you're not bringing it home? That can be really difficult in this field, and it's one of the things that when I was a fellow uh, in the first couple months of my fellowship, I did really struggle with a lot of the emotional burden um, and, and seeing you know, my patients go through suffering and difficult times. Uh, and I didn't really anticipate that going through fellowship. So that was a little bit of a surprise to me. But uh, one of the one of the best things that you can do is have a close support group. And a lot of times it'll end up being colleagues or uh, maybe people you went through training with where you can discuss these cases and you know that you're not the only person going through these feelings, um, feeling these emotions for your patient. So I keep up with the other people I did my fellowship training with um, and also my colleagues at work, and we discuss these difficult cases together, and it really helps to uh, to, to kind of offload some of the um, the emotions that we have seeing all these difficult cases. Yeah. Would you say there's a certain personality that you would have to have to go into oncology? I do think that uh, it, it is a difficult field. Um, you know, when, when I'm out at parties and I'm meeting people and people ask me, what do you do? And I say, I'm an oncologist. The answer is always sort of, oh, uh, and nobody really wants to talk about it further because it kind of seems like a depressing topic or a depressing field. Um, it, it does take, I think, um, someone who has a bit of resilience who is able to shoulder some of these burdens for their patients um, mm -hmm. and, and be strong for their patients and help them to get through these things. Now, do you have um, other colleagues that you work with? You know, I know you guys have uh, your tumor boards and it's kind of a collaborative team approach. Are they also involved with you helping kind of your yourself as far as your support network? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I close. I work closely with a lot of cancer surgeons, uh, radiologists, interventional radiologists at the tumor boards, um, and radiation oncologists. And we all go through similar things taking care of these patients. So I have very close relationships with those physicians, um, and, and it's nice to be able to share those experiences with them. Yeah. What is one of the most common cancers you're seeing right now? I tend to see a lot of breast cancer. Um, right now, I, I recently took a new position, and I'm seeing almost exclusively breast cancer patients. But breast cancer is uh, the most common cancer in women, and that's what we end up seeing a lot of. In, in certain groups, apart from men and women, maybe ethnic groups and so forth, are there certain types of cancers are more prevalent with those types of groups? There definitely are differences amongst ethnic groups. Um, we tend to see more triple negative breast cancer, which is a more aggressive breast cancer in black women, uh, certainly, and I do see that. Um, we also see a lot of BRCA mutations in um, Ashkenazi Jewish patients, and where I work, uh, we do have a large Jewish community, and I do see a lot of those patients with BRCA mutations who have a higher chance of developing breast cancer overall. Is, is that due to, like, diet or some sort of lifestyle? It's actually due to... Um, these groups having a, those ethnic groups having a history of uh, living very closely together, and so these genetic mutations get passed down um, uh, amongst those ethnic groups, and they become more prevalent as the ethnic groups sort of stay together um, and marry within that ethnic group, and it and it increases the prevalence of that genetic mutation. Wow, that's super interesting. Um, finding those commonalities between the races. Um, circling back to some advice for fellows and residents, what advice would you give someone who's getting ready to pick a specialty? You have to make sure that it's a field you're passionate about and remember that it's something that you would hopefully be doing for the next 50 or so years. Um, and that's a long time, and, and being able to do something on a daily basis is hard, and there's a high rate of physician burnout, and I think that making sure you're excited about the field you're going into and you're passionate about the field you're going into will really carry you through those years where burnout can occur. Yeah, and we hear that burnout's becoming more and more prevalent. At the moment, do you feel like you have a good grip on your work-life balance? I, I work really hard to achieve a good work-life balance. Um, I, I try to take care of everything I need to do for work at home. And sometimes that's not always possible. There are charts to finish um, and phone calls to make, but I try to do as much of it as I can from the office before I go home. And when I go home, I try to focus only on my kids and my family uh, and just being present with them. So working in a field where you have sick people, coming to you. I'm sure there's a lot of research that needs to be done, a lot of thinking and brainstorming. And I mean, that's alongside of all you do already as an oncologist. Do you find yourself having to hit the books and research a lot? 
Yes, absolutely. The field of oncology, I think, is uh, one of the fastest-growing fields right now with the most new therapies and new, new technological advances coming out. And um, I really have to keep up with the research. I think everyone in the field does. I do participate in research, um, and in my position, we will be opening clinical trials soon, oh, which great. is exciting. But um there are there are new drugs being approved by the FDA um, and new therapies coming out pretty much on a weekly basis. And so I have to do a lot of reading to keep up with all of the latest advances and all of the latest approvals. And do you see more prevalent cancers today than 10, 20 years ago and some things that were there 10, 20 years ago are kind of dissipating? Um, not necessarily. I think that in general, it feels like we are diagnosing a lot more cancers and seeing a lot more cancers these days. But I think that it comes with better screening and better detection now that we are picking up these cancers earlier. Um, you know, one thing I do think we see is um, we are seeing more colorectal cancer in younger patients, um, and we still haven't figured out why exactly that is, uh, but it may just be that we are picking them up earlier um, instead of them actually becoming more of a frequent occurrence, but we're still trying to figure out why that is. Wow. That's just, for me, I mean, it's so scary to hear that there's, you know, a lot more cancers, but it makes sense. Um that people are now getting screened. And so obviously with all the better screening, um, they're going to have more diagnosis. For our listeners, doctor, do you see any advantage uh, for a physician in oncology to be in a private practice versus, let's say, a hospital employment or maybe affiliated with a big university setting? And kind of walk us through your thoughts. I think they're very different practice settings, um, and I've been fortunate to practice in both settings. Uh, after I graduated fellowship, I was uh, with a uh, large county hospital, uh, and I did a lot of teaching with fellows and residents and medical students, um, and I participated in clinical trials. Um, and that was a great experience. It was very busy. Um, I, I really enjoyed the teaching aspect of it, and, and that's one of the things I'm really passionate about. Uh, and I also had a little flexibility in my time in terms of having research time and then, you know, also seeing patients part of the time. Um, I recently moved over to a more com uh, community sort of practice where I am affiliated with a larger hospital system, but it's in a community setting. And uh, I mainly, I, I generally see patients throughout the day uh, and I don't have dedicated research time. I do enjoy this because I enjoy um, getting to sit down with my patients and, and talk with them and have conversations um, and and I like that aspect of it. There's a little bit less flexibility in terms of having research time associated with it, but it's sort of the practice that I prefer in terms of just having patient interaction throughout the day. Mm -hmm. How tough is it for a, a physician like yourself in, in a practice, let's say you're in private practice, to get a medical student, a resident, or a fellow to, let's say, rotate through your practice, but not being officially on a a formal academic uh, appointment? 
Uh, it, it's not difficult. Um, you know, most of the community practices actually in our area are now affiliated with larger health systems mm-hmm. where there are medical students, um, residents, and fellows who are always looking for opportunities to get more experience. And so it's not difficult to uh, still have some of that teaching and that interaction in a community setting. If you had to choose a different specialty, uh, what would it have been? Uh, this question is not so easy for me because I really can't imagine myself doing anything other than um, what I do currently with uh, cancer patients. I mm-hmm. actually think I I may, um, if I wasn't uh, an oncologist, I may be more into the basic science or basic research behind oncology. Yeah, I mean, there's that's passion right there. You know exactly what you want to do. Yeah. Since you've started, how have you seen medicine change? We see, I've seen a lot more uh, advances in drug development. I think that's the biggest thing that we've seen in the field of oncology. We have um, totally new classes of drugs um, that that we've never had before. We have things like antibody drug conjugates, which have come out. We have targeted therapies. We have immunotherapies, um, which is really leading the forefront of um, oncology right now and has turned previously incurable cancers into potentially curable cancers now. And one of the biggest technological advances we've had recently is CAR T-cell therapy, which is um, a person's T cells that are actually taken out, genetically engineered, and then placed back into the patient, and they fight a cancer. And uh, these are just incredible advances that we've seen uh, over the last 10 to 20 years. I have a question. Um, I know the Internet's become more prevalent. A lot of patients, doctors, everyone's online. How frequently do you reach out to your let's say, online colleagues and your little private, you know, oncology forums and so forth to discuss a case and maybe some ideas on a treatment plan? I actually do that fairly often. Um, There are some great oncology forums that have popped up recently. One is called the MedNet, um, and there uh, are oncology physicians, radiation oncologists, surgeons, radiologists on there, and it's a really great place to post a question and get a lot of feedback. And uh, there are uh, members who are sort of internationally renowned for their work in certain specialties of oncology. And you can get feedback and answers from those experts who, uh, before the Internet, it would have been very hard to get a hold of. So I think that's pretty amazing. You know, you can get the opinion of many other professionals in the field within a couple days. So they start to get you to think of maybe different courses and options that before that interaction you didn't have on your mind. Yeah, definitely. And even clinical trials that are available, you know, in different parts of the country that um, it may have been hard to know about without that uh, interaction. Yeah. Um, Well, we're almost out of time, but what advice would you give to... um, a medical student just getting ready to join the career world? Um, For people getting ready to join the career world, I think it's important to uh, think about what you want out of a career. 
Um, and that includes work-life balance, you know, thinking about um, how much work do you want to be doing a week? How many hours do you want to put in a week? Uh, is it important for you to have certain times off, to have vacation time, to have your nights free or your evenings free? And I think having a realistic expectation uh, of what you want work to be like is helpful in avoiding burnout because I think sometimes when our expectations don't line up with the reality of what a job entails, that's when we often become disappointed and uh, burnout becomes much more of a possibility. Um, so sometimes that involves talking to people uh, who have been in the field for a while, maybe rotating with them, spending some time with them um, to get a, a good view of what you can anticipate in the future. Yeah, great advice. Well, thank you so much for your time and for all your advice. I know this is going to be extremely helpful for upcoming medical students. Sure. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, what's the rest of your day look like? Are you at work right now? I'm at work. Um, I have a half day a week for administrative time where I get to catch up on notes and phone calls and other things like that. So that's what I'm looking at for the rest of the afternoon. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your spending your precious time talking to us. We really, really appreciate it. Of course. Well, have a great day, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. You too. Thank you to all our listeners. If you'd like to be notified when new episodes air, make sure to hit that subscribe button. And thank you to Pacific Companies. Without you guys, this podcast would not be possible. If you'd like to be a guest or for more information, go to www.pacificcompanies.com.